A blessed day, dear UECP brothers and sisters. It is a joy to celebrate with you Missions Month. And uh, this month is uh, filled with a discovery of those doors of opportunities so that as Christ followers, we can reach this post-pandemic world with God's love. Why don't you say a good morning to your seatmate? Praise God that we can worship together face to face. And not only to reach out, we want to reach out effectively with the mission that God has given us, and that is to raise generations of Christ-like disciples committed to making Christ-like disciples. You know, in fact, this Sunday coincides with the International Day of the Unreached. So those people, groups, most needing the good news of Jesus Christ. In our region alone, here in Asia, Asia consists of over 4 billion people, 50 nations, and 7,000 people groups. And according to the latest from Joshua Project, 73.3% of all people groups are unreached. And often it is easy to forget how many people worldwide are unreached and don't have much access to the gospel. And so for the next three weeks, as we respond to God's mission, we will examine the kind of love that Jesus has and explore lessons throughout the history of faith in showing such love. We also want to engage people for doors of opportunities in such a time as this. And one 70s song reminds us, they will know we are Christians by our love. But wait, loving one another is easier said than done. And before we can launch into the world, we need to revisit God's word and listen to his heartbeat. And today we go back and listen to God's word. But, you know, take for example what happened in the recent uh, national elections. It was uh, a significant election for our country and others referred it to as a war between good and evil. And we see this in many fronts. There was this war on disinformation and fake news. Yet, brothers and sisters, there seems to be a, another bitter war. And this is one that is being waged among friends, families, and sadly, even fellow believers. The election season indeed brought out the best and worst among us. But moving forward, we, we now confront the results of the elections and a new administration. The questions we ask Christians are, have we been reflecting Christ-likeness to one another? How have we treated those people whose political colors differ from us? Along with this, we have the global pandemic that is not yet over, and we are all trying to recover, grieving from losing lives, opportunities, or dreams. And as followers of Jesus Christ, how can we start 
all over again? How can we carry out faithfully our mission in the midst of all these? This pandemic has not changed the mission of the church. Again, this pandemic has not changed a bit that mission, and it remains the same, to love God, to love others, and to make disciples. And so today, our main passage is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 to 38. And this is part of the teaching, the last teaching of Christ to his disciples. And as the last words would reveal to uh, last words of any person, these final words of Jesus are crucial because for one, it reveals his heart, especially for us, his children. And while all four gospels give an account of the Last Supper, only the Apostle John records this extended conversation that Jesus gave that night, beginning in the upper room and continuing on as his disciples walk to the garden in Gethsemane. This extended conversation is commonly called the upper room or the farewell discourse. And it runs from John chapter 13, verses 31, up until chapter 17. So it has many unique themes and essential lessons for us believers and followers of Christ, both then and for now. It might be called our marching orders, as the master tells his followers how they must live in the days ahead. And so how do we continue on with God's mission even without his presence? You know, as Jesus' death approached, he prepared his disciples for life on a mission. And what are his marching orders for us these days? I believe UECP's motto encapsulates this powerfully. It's love God, make disciples. Can you say it? Love God, make disciples. And so in light of our position, as we live between his departure and his coming, believers should be ready to embark on this mission to love God and to make disciples because the world will know we are Christ followers through our love for one another. I repeat, the world will know we're Christ followers through our love for one another. So how can Christ followers and the church fulfill those marching orders to reach the world with his love, especially during these uncertain times? Let me share with you three biblical principles that are foundational to how we reach out with God's love in our mission. And that is recognize, respond, and rely. And we'll do this with a hand motion so that we can, uh, we can commit this to memory. Recognize, let's do that. Recognize, and then respond, and rely. Okay? Recognize, respond, and rely. The first part of John chapter 13 provides the background to understand the significance of our main passage or our theme verse for this month. So imagine the scene with me. In John 13, 1 to 17, Jesus' final dinner with his disciples was in progress. 
when he slipped away from the table and then he filled the basin with, with water and then he began to wash the disciples' feet. And later on, we see in verses 18 to 30 that Jesus predicts his betrayal. He became visibly troubled as he, be, as he began to speak that one of them would betray him. Now the disciples were at a loss as to one, which one of them might do such a thing. And Peter asked John, who was leaning close to Jesus, to ask him who the betrayer was. And so only the Apostle John heard Jesus speak the following words, revealing the betrayer's identity. And we know it was Judas. Judas, the one who received not only a foot washing, but even received the bread from Jesus that we will do later on in our communion, symbolizing Jesus' body that would be broken for the forgiveness of sins. And now, when Judas ran out of the room, the others thought he was being sent on an errand to perhaps buy uh, supplies for the Passover festival. In fact, the devil had entered into Judas to move him to betray to, be, to, to move him to betray Jesus. And so right after Judas left, Jesus showed his complete understanding of what was finally going to end. And that is God's glory and the glory of Jesus, his son. This is the culmination of that. We will read in our main text in John chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. It says there, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So repeated here are the words glory or glorified. Jesus' departure is his glorification. And this glorification is expressed in the completion of the R mentioned in verse one. So it simply means that the time has come. It's Jesus' time to depart from this world and so remember that this farewell address happens on a Thursday night after the Passover meal, the night before his crucifixion. And so this hour clearly refers to the impending death of Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. This is the last time uh, it will be mentioned here in the Gospel of John. Now this title, Son of Man, is not to be seen in terms of humility, but instead it refers to the glorious one that is depicted by the Old Testament prophet Daniel in 7, 13 to 14, where one like the Son of Man receives the everlasting kingdom from the ancient of days. So on that cross, Jesus makes his father's love known. He says, now is the son of man 
glorified and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. So there is this mutual glorification between father and son. On the one hand, Jesus explained to us who his father was by demonstrating obedience from the time he was born up until his suffering and death. On the other hand, the father will also show and makes known Jesus' obedience as he is glorified at once and right away, especially in his resurrection. But it is not until the next verse that Jesus clearly announces his approaching crucifixion and death. And Jesus addresses his disciples as little children. Little children because it's like a term of intimacy, like my dear children, warm affection. Jesus assumes here the the role of the family head and expresses concern for them. He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come, referring to his crucifixion. So the mention of Jesus' departure was only implied in uh, verses 31 to 32. But here in this verse, he explicitly states what this glorification requires, that he would leave to go back to the one who sent him. He will leave his followers temporarily only. And so as we look at verses 31 to 33, the first principle that is foundational or to how we can effectively fulfill Christ's mission is to recognize God's glory and his coming. Again, recognize his glory and his coming because the world will know we're Christ's followers through our love for one another. And what does this mean for us today as we reach out to others in our mission? First, the ultimate goal is for God's glory. That is the ultimate goal. It is for the glory of God. As we prepare our mission to the world with his love, we need to see that Jesus' departure is in the same way. The life and mission of God, of Christ, has always been centered through his obedience. And in the same way, our desire to reach out to the world must be done in submission and obedience to him. It should not be just for the glory of our local body here in UECP or for the organization. Rather, it must be for the praise and honor of Jesus Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. The second thing is that the hope that we have, that we look forward to in our mission, is simply God's coming again. The departure of Jesus may be seen as something that is sad or something that is painful, but believers would have that hope that someday, one day, it will lead to a glorious reunion as well. Who among us here enjoys reunions? Reunions, of course, we all love that and we all miss that. But you know, 
We live after Jesus' departure and before his arrival. And our future is only as strong as the anchor who holds it. And I pray that we will be anchored on a sure foundation. As the author of Hebrews wrote, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, Jesus Christ. Third, we must have the right perspective. Don't miss the bigger picture when we experience setbacks, perhaps in our lives or even in our mission. In our limited human view, we see the suffering of Christ, but in the supernatural realm, the resurrection that we thank for in our song earlier, through Christ's death and resurrection should encourage us that all the problems and all the trials that we face as we respond to the mission would just enable us to look beyond all these troubles and focus on God's glory. Again, recognize God's glory and His coming because the world will know that we are Christ's followers through our love for one another. And after he said that he would soon be leaving, Jesus uh, told them that what he expects of his disciples in his absence. Let's read this together. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved for one another. And so this command to love one another is not something new. Actually, the Old Testament already contain uh, similar commands. Take, for instance, Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But this newness, anong bago dito? What is this newness? This newness of his command is related to the new covenant community. It is new because the people of God now is composed of a new way. We are now identified outside of Israel through the covenant by the blood of Christ. And that is what we do every first Sunday. We commemorate his death and his sacrifice and his resurrection through the Lord's Supper. So this command, only finds fulfillment when the, when the disciples identify themselves and those in covenant with them as a new community. Now the second phrase here describes the nature of uh, the love that, this, that the disciples are to show one another by adding this element of the example for Christ. You see that, just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you. In short, the command is new because of Jesus Christ. He becomes now the new standard of the disciples' love for one another. Now, if Jesus introduces loving one another to his disciples, does it mean that we will not include the world or outside of our community, that they will not have love for the world? Of course not. On the contrary, Jesus shows what is the result or the effect of showing love for one another. He says there, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
And so the result of his disciples loving one another is that this kind of love is how the world will identify the members of the new community. This, is, this will be the distinguishing mark of every believer, not just as a member of UECP, but as a believer of Christ. It is the distinguishing mark of what an authentic Christian or a Christ follower should be. The second principle foundational to how we can effectively fulfill Christ's mission is to respond. Respond to the new commandment, which is loving one another. And what does it mean for us today? It means that our relationship, our proclamation outside and even to the people around us is dependent on how well you love. It might sound cliche, but the quote is very valid from Theodore Roosevelt. He said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much well you love others. So your relationships with all believers should reflect that Christ-like love. The truth is we should strive to make all our relationships patterned after Jesus. He modeled this in John 13 verse 1. He said, having loved his own, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And here are some insights from that. Our message is as good as how we, we, well we love, but also we love sacrificially and also by serving others. While we cannot love pr precisely like Jesus, we can love sacrificially. That is loving others above our own interests. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul wrote, to the Philippian believers. Have this among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that who, although in the form God, did not consider himself, did not count equality with God as a thing that should be grasped. So there's no self-entitlement. There should be none of this. And I believe this was one of the powerful message we received from UECP about self-entitlement. And we also love by serving others. Jesus took that role of a servant. And today, with social media, uh, everyone wants to be noticed. But a few would want to take the humble role of a servant. Jesus repeatedly stated that the way to the top in his kingdom was taking the lowest position. In Mark, he said, whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. And that is, and one writer mentioned that it's descending to greatness, huh? descending to greatness. It's a paradox. How about you? How about us, brothers and sisters? As the Lord opens doors of opportunities for us to love one another. Who can you be a servant to this week? Think of that person. How can you humble yourself and wash someone's feet this week? 
So ask God who, is invite, who He is inviting you to serve, following the example of Jesus, so that as Christ loves us, the world will know we are His followers through our love for one another by responding to the new commandment. And finally, Jesus was direct in telling his disciples that he is going away and they could not follow him. And so Peter, who was very loyal to Jesus, perhaps he found it hard to take it in, all that idea that he will be separated from Jesus. And let's read, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. So there is hope here. Peter said to him, will you, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not grow till you have denied me three times. So this prediction about his betrayal must have been overwhelming and confusing for Peter and for the others who might have heard of it. And Jesus had just predicted that one of them would betray him. And in his overconfidence, Peter showed that he was not able to follow Christ in his death. So when Peter asked Jesus where he was going, he seemed selective in his hearing that he forgot about the new commandment, no? uh, the importance of the new commandment of Christ. He seems to not uh, take in concern of loving his brethren. And Peter's second question here, he says, Lord, why can I not follow you? It shows his self-confidence that he knows himself and his self-reliance to prove that Jesus, Jesus, wrong, Jesus was wrong. And Peter even offers himself. He says, I will lay down my life for you. But as heroic as his intentions may seem, Jesus knows Peter better than himself. You know, brothers and sisters, at the very core of discipleship, becoming like Jesus Christ cannot be separated from his death and glorification. The apostle Peter here needs to realize that he cannot do it by his own self-will or by his own uh, courage. The disciples need to depend upon the Lord, upon the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's purpose and mission for their lives. And that is why the Spirit cannot come or will not come if Jesus will not leave them temporarily. The ministry of the Holy Spirit mediates the presence of Christ in our midst, in His absence. He reminds us of His teaching that He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment, and He guides the disciples into all truth. So in verses 36 to 38, the third and the last principle foundational to how we can effectively fulfill Christ's mission is to rely, to rely on God's Spirit. And what is our hand motion? Rely. We need to rely. 
and depend. Siya lamang ang ating maaasahan sa panahong ito. What does it mean for us today in our mission? Well, for one, the mission that God has called us is a spiritual mission. We cannot accomplish this with our human abilities, wisdom, or our strength. We cannot give, we, we, we will just give up quickly even before we begin. Even the ability to love one another, to, to love one another rather, is something that is only through the Holy Spirit. It requires more than just good interpersonal skills. We will always find ourselves inadequate, kulang tayo palagi and unable to follow Him. And that is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf. We thank the Lord that He made it possible because He provided us with the person of the Holy Spirit. Christ promised us that the Spirit would guide, direct, empower every believer to fulfill His plan. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide, He will declare, He will encourage us, and He will glorify Jesus Christ. So let me repeat, we can only effectively fulfill our mission by relying on God's Spirit, our Counselor. So what are those hand motions again? Recognize, respond, and rely. We really need to pray. The eighth Olympic Games in 1924 in France drew over 45 countries and attracted a crowd of 60,000 spectators. And among the competitors there from Great Britain was this famous guy, Eric Liddell. And he, was, uh, he came under a shadow of controversy. As a devout follower of Christ, Liddell believed that he should not compete on a Sunday because it's considered the Sabbath or the Lord's Day. And so he already informed the Olympic Committee that he would not be able to participate in the 100-meter run. Many criticized Liddell's devotion, but he stubbornly refused. And instead, that Sunday, he preached that particular morning in another part of, of, of that city. And on Wednesday, he ran for the 200-meter finals, and he placed third. He then competed to the 400, in the 400-meter race, joining runners from Canada and the U.S. And just before the race, Liddell uh, went down the starting line, and someone handed him a note, a piece of paper with a quotation from 1 Samuel 2.30. Says there, those who honor me, I will honor. And you know what? Eric was just young. He was maybe in his early 20s, 22. But he provided a powerful example as someone who gave up this opportunity for personal glory in the 100 meter race that he trained for many years. He recognized God's glory more than his own. And in the end, God honored his devotion. He brought home the gold medal and he set a new world record. It remained a world record for the next 
four years. But the story does not end here. What's interesting is that after his Olympic success, moved by a burden to reach out to the lost, Eric Liddell, who was born to a missionary parents in China, Tianjin, China, responded to his real calling as a missionary to that country. He believed that China was his purpose. He believed that God made it for him, made him for a purpose. Actually, he would say that God made me for China. And Liddell dedicated his life among the unreached. His battle cry became Christ for the world. For the world needs Christ. Liddell eventually died in a concentration camp together with other missionaries from China Inland Mission. He died, but he won the lost for Christ. He persevered to the end and kept that mission because he recognized God's glory and his coming. He responded with love even among those in the concentration camp. And he relied in the power of the Spirit. During these difficult times, brothers and sisters, as we fulfill Jesus' marching orders to open doors of opportunity with his love, before we do that, before we engage the world, the Lord summons us for some serious reflection. In John 13, 31 to 38, we can only fulfill his mission to reach the world with his love when we first recognize God's glory and his coming, when we respond to the new commandment of loving one another, and finally, as we rely on God's spirit, our counselor. So in light of where we are right now, as we live between the time of his departure and his coming, we need to be ready to embark on this mission to love God and make disciples so that the world will know we're Christ followers through our love for one another. And as the Lord opened doors of opportunities to partner in his mission, on behalf of the many missionaries that UECP support even anonymously. We are grateful for how you have loved God's people. But let's go back and assess our hearts right now. Pause and think for a while. Ask God, who is this one person that he invites you to love this week? It would be even more challenging if that person is Difficult to love, but it's really by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit's power. Who is this one person whom I can be a servant to this week? Can you think about this person? Maybe close your eyes. And I'm sure the Lord is bringing to your mind the face of that someone. 
And then, what is one specific thing that you can do to love this person as Christ loved by serving this person sacrificially? Gary Burge said it well. He said, this is the essence of Jesus' vision for the church. It is not a community that heals people just so that they would be whole, although healing is important. It is not a community that teaches so that people will be gratified by knowledge, although wisdom is valuable. It is not a community that evangelizes so that it will grow its ranks, although mission, its mission to the world is very important. He says, the church is a community that invites people to touch the glory of God, to be changed by it, and to bear it to the world. You know this familiar song. And I want you to join as we commit our lives to you. There's a call going out across the lands in every nation. A call to all who swear to the cross of Christ A call to true humility To live our lives responsibly To deepen our devotion To the cross at any price Let us then be sober Moving only in the spirit as aliens and strangers in a hostile foreign land the message we're proclaiming is repentance and forgiveness the author of salvation to the dying race of Our God is the heartbeat of the mission, the spring from which a service overflows across the street or around the world. The mission still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. By the passion of the flame Spilling light and sparingly About a dark and dream Let us burn to know him deeper Than our service flaming bright We'll radiate his passions and place with holy light everyone to love the lord our god 
the great commandment for the great commission as we recognize respond and rely because the world will know we're Christ followers through our love for one another may you bless your church amen good morning everyone